As you listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heart Seas Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. So, dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you again tonight. God, we pray that you would continually speak to our hearts and our lives. God, we pray that tonight would be no different, God, than other times when you've touched our life. God, we pray that you would touch us again tonight. And God, that we would leave here changed, that we'd leave here transformed, that God, we would leave here knowing, God, that you are for us, that you love us, and that the best is available for each one of our lives. God, I pray that we would realize today that, God, you have a new life for us. God, a new life available for each one of us. We love you, we praise you, we adore you. In Jesus' name, come on, shout amen in the house. Amen. Amen. Just this morning, I was reading a scripture. It's not my message, but it's just a, a just an appetizer to the main course, if you want to put it this way. And I absolutely love it. it. Was blown away in Leviticus. Leviticus is normally one of those tough books that, when you think about, it, it's all about the offerings. It's all about this. It's one of those books, along with Chronicles, that you would rather skip over and almost forget it was in the Word of God. But I read something this morning, and I thought, "Wow, this is powerful." And here's your homework for the week or till Sunday: read the whole chapter when you get home. Read it, the whole chapter, this week sometime. Leviticus 26 says this, beginning in verse 1. It says, You shall not make idols for yourselves, neither a carved image nor a sacred pillar shall you rear up for yourselves, nor shall you set up an engraved stone in your land or bow down to it. For I am the Lord your God. Verse 2, you shall keep my Sabbath and you shall reverence my sanctuary again, for I am the Lord. I am the Lord. What have we just read there? Basically is this. Are you ready? Me first. God says, have no idols, set nothing up to replace me. And he says, give me your first fruits. He speaks about the Sabbath. Come on, keep my Sabbath. What is the Sabbath? The Sabbath is the first day of the week. The Sabbath is the first fruits. And what does he say? Also remember my house. Have reverence for my house. Give the first fruits to God, okay? Read on, verse 3. If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and perform them. In other words, if you do the things that I tell you to do, are you ready? Here's what happens. God says, then I will give you rain in its season and the land shall yield its produce and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. Your threshing shall last till the time of vintage and the vintage shall last till the time of sowing. You shall eat your bread to the full and you shall dwell in your land safely. I will give you peace in the land. You shall lay down and what? None will make you afraid. What a promise of God that when we put him first, 
when we give him our first fruits, like we're doing through this time, the promises are endless of what he wants to do, that we will not lack, we will not be in need. He will protect us. We will lay down. We will sleep well. We won't have fear. Come on, perfect love cast out all fear. And it goes on and on. And it's good stuff. And for the sake of time, we're not going to read on. But I will remind you, Or challenge you with this, that from verse 14, it doesn't look so good. Because from verse 14 on, it says, but if you disobey, if you choose not to obey me, come on, it's not good stuff. It's not good stuff. And the reason why I read that scripture out to you tonight is because I believe that is an extension of Matthew 6 verse 33. That which we taught on on Sunday morning. Come on, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. What things? We read some of those things from Leviticus. But it's just the beginning of what God can do. I wonder what you need in your life. I'm sure every one of us has got some kind of needs. God says, put me first and I can handle that. Put me first and I can take care of that. Why? Because God first living, there is nothing that even comes close to that. Nothing that even comes close to that. So Sunday, here's what we established. Are you ready? We established on Sunday that when he is first in our decisions, in our finances as we tithe, in the actions of our life, in our families, in our future, when he is put in his right place, he can set everything else in its proper place. God can redeem, God can handle, God can take care of the rest. So to put him first has to be a decision that we make in our lives. And it's a decision of the will. What do I mean by that? There's going to be many times that that decision is going to be challenged in our life. It's not just a one-time decision that we just say that. That decision is going to be challenged over and over again as other things are going to try and take priority over God being first. They're going to try to dethrone God. That's why I almost like to say it this way. I don't even believe God should be first because I don't even believe God should be on the list. What do I mean by that? He's the title on the page. He's not the first on the list. Because anything that's on a list has the capability what to be moved around on the list has the capability to fall or to be elevated, to be moved around. That's not God's idea of being on the list. He wants to be the title. He wants that to be the what? The testimony of our life. Him first and then everything else comes after that. So God being first is a decision that we need to willfully make for each one of our lives. And I know we're talking about chosen. Our whole month is about being chosen and making the choice and not just realizing we're called. We are all called, but accepting that invitation and choosing to serve him. But notice the word I used. I didn't say to put him first is a choice of our will. It's a decision of our will. And let me explain that if I could quickly. In our culture, every day, we're bombarded with endless choices. Endless choices. What am I going to eat? Where am I going to eat? What career am I going to go for? Who will I date? How do I exercise? What do I do? All these questions. 
And there's a reason it's a multi-million dollar industry called advertising out there. Because every one of them are trying to make the choices for you. Trying to make the choices. I've never seen so many commercials on TV for food until you start fasting. Amen? (laughs) Driving down the street, McDonald's fries on the back of a truck even look good. Anyone with me on stuff like that? And Maddie was, we were driving the other day. Maddie said, what's the deal with the fast? I'm wanting stuff I don't usually like. You know, I'm driving by and craving Taco Bell or something. And I don't even care for that. But you're just like, give me, give me something. But we're bombarded every day, and and they know that. That's why millions are going to be spent two Sundays from now through advertising on the Super Bowl. Why? Because if we can just get into people's psyche, if we can just get into their life, we will help make a change in them by making a new choice, that they will make a new choice. So choices, we realize, are this. Choices are subject to to change based on how we feel. Feeling different, we make different choices. Anyone with me on that? We make different choices by our feelings. And it's the same as feelings, isn't it? Feelings, what? They're likewise. They are subject to change. And that's why we have to make a decision for God to be first, not a choice. Has to be a decision that's made, not a choice. It's almost like marriage. In the fact of when we decide to be married, when we say our vow, when we love someone and we say, I'm going to honor this person and I'm going to serve him or her, we decide that. Then what do we do? We go about doing that. Maybe not always perfectly, not always flawlessly, but we do it. It's not something we choose to do. It's something that we have decided. We've made a decision to do. And I know we've said this before and perhaps wrong. I just want to mess with your thinking, perhaps wrong, in saying love is a choice. No, love needs to be a decision that's backed up with the right choices. Because a choice can change, but a decision needs to be something that is constant in each one of us. Do I love my spouse? Do I want the best for him? Do I care for her? Yes, 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 of course that should be the answer. Why? Because I decided the day that I got married. That what? That I was going to be that to them. I didn't just wake up in the morning and get a revelation and say, I need to do that. It's something that we have purposely decided in our lives. Now we need to make the right choices to facilitate that decision. You see, because if we say God first in my life is a choice I'm going to make each and every day, we've got to watch because just like our fickle choices, we can be the same with God. Because maybe I don't feel saved today, so I'm just not going to choose God. I've come to a place in my life that every day I've decided I'm going to live for God, whether I choose to or whether I rather feel like doing that or not. I've made a decision and I'm going to back up my whole life to that. Because a decision is something permanent. They're more final. It's even once or for all. It's a decision you make to say, God, I'm going to live for you. Something not to be redecided every day, but to be managed and protected for the rest of your life. Come on, I shouldn't wake up every day and say, God, I've decided to follow you. I made that decision a long time ago. But every day I'm going to make the right choice to what? To manage and protect what? That decision. Living for God. 
So I don't decide, as I said, to live for God or every day I already did that. Now I make the choice to further that decision each and every day as I choose to take up my cross daily. And I follow God. I will make the choices. Listen to this. Our choices must back up our decisions, not determine our decisions. Our choices must back up our decisions, not determine our decisions, because our choices are going to come and go. So what's that going to make? Our decision making is going to be up and down. But my decision, my choices back that up. My choices don't determine my decisions. So God first needs to be an important decision that we make in our lives. Read again with me Matthew 6:33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. There's something in there that we often forget and that is this, I'll seek God, then I get the blessing. But what are we instructed to seek of God? We are instructed to seek God and His righteousness. Notice that? His righteousness. We don't like the word righteous many times because we package it with the same thing as someone who is self-righteous or something. And so many times we have a tainted view on what it really means to be righteous. And we can kind of skip over that as almost spiritual jargon. But what does it mean to seek God's righteousness? What even is that? Can I give you a definition of what righteousness is? Are you ready? So simple. Righteousness is this. God's way of doing things. Isn't that cool? Righteousness is God's way of doing things. God's order of doing things. It's not super spiritual. It's so absolute practical to each one of our lives. So if God says, seek me and my way of doing things, why is that important? Why is that important? I'll tell you why. Because when we act in a righteous manner, when we act according to doing God's way, that's what it means, remember? When we do what God wants us to do in our lives, guess what happens to our thoughts? They change. Guess what happens to our decisions? They're changed. Guess what happens to our words? They're changed. Are you with me? It's not a trick question. Guess what happens to our actions? They're going to change. Why? Because now we will begin to reflect His character and not our own. The Bible says it's Christ in us that is the hope of glory. It's not Philip being seen, it's that they would see God in our lives. So as we act righteously, as we do things God's way, our lives would drastically change. And God says that's what needs to happen in our lives. As we seek God, we need to seek Him to change our lives. We need a new life. We need a new way of living because a new life becomes now evident to others around. Why? Man, they used to respond different to that. I remember last week when someone said something, they flew off the handle. What's happened? What's changed? Man, they're not even speaking the same way. Their conversation, their demeanor, their look, just everything about them has changed. Why? Because when you seek God 
and you seek his way, your way will never be the same again. I've said this many times, but are you ready? God loves you so much that he will never leave you the same way. God loves you so much that he doesn't want to leave you the same way. God needs you and he needs me. Why? Because we are his means for evangelizing and being the gospel to this world. How will they know unless we tell them, unless our life shows them, unless we are what God wants us to do? But you know, righteousness and doing God's way or God's way of doing things, you know, no matter how hard we try to do that, we cannot do that in our own strength. If we could be righteous in our own strength, Jesus would never have had to die for us. Think about that. If it was possible for man to meet the criteria of God, he would never have had to send his son to die for us. But man doesn't even come close because the Bible tells us all have sinned and fall way short of the miss the mark by miles. That image we get when we fall short of the glory of God, it's almost like we're almost there and we're just almost touched. We are so far off the page, it's not even funny. We are so far away from what God wants us and God requires for us to be. So we can't do it no matter how hard we try. But you know what? It's something that God delights to do. It's something that God wants to do. Why? Because he wants his spirit to come and live inside of each and every one of us. Does that make it easy? No. It's still not easy. But we have the ability to live a victorious, overcoming life. I read this story today and I thought it was pretty interesting. Some of you may have heard this story before, but it's a story of a man called George Owen Walton. George Owen Walton was born May the 15th in 1907 in Rocky Mountain, Virginia. His job as he grew up was he was an estate appraiser. Anytime there was an estate sale, he would appraise the items that were going to be sold, that were going to be auctioned, that were going to be divided amongst those. So as a result of his position, many times he had first dibs. He had first opportunities to buy that which was rare, that which was special. So he had a great collection of many things like coins and guns and watches and such things. In 1945, he had the opportunity to purchase one of the five Liberty Head nickels that were ever minted. Only five were ever minted. And he had the opportunity to be able to purchase one of those. And he did in 1945 for $3,750. Now, that's a lot of money back then. It's a lot of money now. But I'm telling you, a lot of money back then. And he convinced and he told his family that what I have just bought is going to be worth an absolute fortune. A number of years later, in 1962, while he was on his way to a coin show, he was actually killed in an automobile accident. And his family, taking his belongings, found this coin and they wished to take it to an appraiser. And it was appraised by the appraisers of that day. And they disclaimed his nickel was a fake. It wasn't real. In fact, 
they marked it as having no value whatsoever. So you can imagine the disappointment on the family's face as they took it back and they just threw it in a strong box, put it in a safe, and it was just left there over and over again. Eventually, Walton's nephew, Ryan Gibbons, inherited that nickel, still always holding on to the fact that his uncle was telling the truth. He could not believe that it was a fake. In 2003... The other four 1913 Liberty Head coins went on display with a note that said, there is a million dollar prize that will be offered to anyone who can find or produce the fifth coin in the set. I think we all know where this is going. Sorry for spoiling the end. Givens, refusing to believe it was a fake, submitted his coin for evaluation one more time. And after being reviewed by six appraisers, it was discovered that this was indeed the real deal. Holding on to that nickel, he eventually sold it for $3.1 million. A hundred years after it was minted. And to think, it sat in a closet for decades because it seemed worthless even to an expert eye. How could they, here's the question that was asked of people, how could they have possessed such a treasure and not even known it? You know, as great as that story is, I don't say that story to wow you. I say that story to parallel each and every one of our lives tonight. Because I want you to know something. Inside of you, you possess something far greater of value. A greater treasure than that. And it's not something that is away at the bottom of a closet. It's something that you and I walk around with inside of us each and every day. Paul said it this way in Colossians 1 verse 27. He says there is Christ in you. He is the hope of glory. In other words, Christ, he says, lives in you. It says, to them God will to make known that are the riches of the glory of this mystery amongst the Gentiles, which is this. What? What is the greatest mystery? What is the greatest worth? What is the greatest value of this world? He says, here it is. Are you ready? It's Christ in you that produces the hope of glory, that Christ lives in you. And you've got to believe that and you've got to see that. Whether you feel that or not, whether you feel the worth or not, you've got to realize you have a treasure inside of you and it is Christ who wants to be the hope of glory. I like what Ezekiel says. Here's what happens to us. Are you ready? When we get saved, here's our salvation experience, what takes place In each and every one of us, it says in Ezekiel 36, verse 26, it says, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit within you. What? I will put myself, my Holy Spirit inside of you. I will take out your heart of stone. Come on. 
I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and I will give you a heart literally that of God. Why is that important, Pastor? Why do I need to know it's Christ in me, the hope of glory? Because God desires to make you a new you. Come on. God wants to change you from the inside out. You can dress up a pig. You can put lipstick on. You can put cologne on. You can do whatever you want to do. But as soon as that pig finds a mud puddle, he's going to roll in that. Why? Because no matter what you do on the outside, ain't going to change what's on the inside. But when Christ is in you, when you allow him, to put a new heart inside of you, when you allow Him to put His Spirit of life inside of you. Come on, mud puddle. I'm going to walk right past you because life ain't there no more. I'm not the person I used to be. I'm a new creation. I'm a brand new man in Christ Jesus. Why? Because that's what the treasure inside of us wants to do. You have a treasure. You are a treasure. That God lives inside. He lives inside of us. As we seek Him first and His righteousness, His way, not our way, His way of doing things and not ours. WWJD, remember that? What would Jesus do? Big thing as we were going to do something wrong, the thought, what would Jesus do? It needs to be constantly a decision that we're making for our will. That I'm going to put him first and make the decisions. Oh, we're still us. Come on, hit your neighbor and say, yeah, you're still you. Yeah, you're still you. You still got your grumpiness. You still complain. You still moan. But guess what? We're still us, but we're a new you. Come on, God wants to do something. How many are believing through this fast as we begin this year that God wants to do something in you to make you a new you? That you're not going to be the same as you used to be? Come on, you maybe went into this a worthless nickel. Come on, you're coming out of this a priceless gem. Come on, something of great value. and Look at this scripture. Man, if I get excited tonight, I apologize. Just let me preach and you just do what you need to do. Come on, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ. Come on, he is a new creation. What's the promise? Old things have passed away. What do you say from someone who is dead? What do you say they have passed away. Come on. The old things need to be dead inside of us. Come on. You need to stop giving life support to those things that need to be dead in your life. Come on. You need to stop. Get your lips off those things that you're trying to breathe and resuscitate and revive. Come on. The old things have passed away. Come on. He ain't good enough for you anymore. Come on. You're a new person. I'm not talking about your husband because you need to stay in there with that. But I'm talking about in relationships and things. Come on. You've got to stop reviving things that God wants dead because the old things need to pass away. Why? Because God says, I want to do a new thing. God says all things have become new. God wants all things to be new. A new mind, a new spirit, a new soul, a new heart, new desires. Come on, a new husband, a new wife to become place in you. Come on. We're not talking about a new choice. We're talking about you being a new person and God doing something inside of you and your life. You know what? It's so sad that too many Christians are still living the old way. 
They are still choosing to live. Oh, they made a decision to follow God, but they are choosing each and every day the old way and not his new way. Come on, they are living and walking through life just like that family did. In their strong box was something that was worthless, but they did not realize the value it had. Come on, if we're still living in the old way, if we're still saying, well, God can't heal me, if we're still saying I'll never be free, if we're still being saying, well, this is who I'm going to be and I'm never going to change, I'm always going to have a sorry attitude, my mouth, I'm always going to curse, I'm always going to do. Come on, I want you to know something right now. There's more that God has for you than that. Come on, there is more. That's the old way. That's not the new way. Come on, His Holy Spirit wants to live inside of us, quickening us and bringing to life those things. Come on. Reviving, yes, those things that are dead. But the Holy Spirit wants to work inside of us to keep those things dead that need to be dead, that need to be buried. But he can only suggest what happens. You're the one that makes the choices of what takes place. Look what it says in Ephesians 4 verse 22 through 24. It says this, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust, And be renewed. Come on, say with me, renewed. Where? In the spirit of your mind. That you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. According to what? According to true righteousness and holiness. Holiness. What is that saying? That as we go after God, as we put God first, then His righteousness and His holiness, His way of doing things becomes evident in each one of our lives. That we put off the old ways, the old conversations, the old man. I don't want to be the same person that I was in 2014. Come on, I don't want to be the same person I was even yesterday. I don't want to be the same person I was even when I woke up this morning. Come on, I want to be renewed daily. I want to be renewed in my mind. I want to be renewed in the decisions and the choices in every part of my life that I will make a conscious choice to put on the new man. Come on, I want you to start catching yourself and say, well, that's how I used to respond, but I'm not going to respond that way anymore. Come on, I'm putting on the new man. I'm, I'm a new person because I put God first, but now I want his righteousness. I want his way for my life. And I want to follow his way for my life. Your life, you have a new life in Christ. And that has to be our goal through chosen 2015. God, give me a new life. Give me a new me. Come on, I want to see a complete transformation. I want to see him and his ways before my passions and my desires. Come on, I want what he wants For my life. You see, when you seek God's righteousness, are you ready for this? Our outward evidence will confirm our new inward conviction. When we seek God first, our outward evidence will confirm our new inward conviction. That we will be different from the inside out. 
And that which will be evident. Remember in the scriptures of James, it says what? Faith without what? Faith without works is dead. So faith isn't just knowledge, is it? Faith is knowledge and action. So think about that. It says faith without works is dead. Works don't produce faith, but as a result of faith, guess what? Works happen. They take place in each one of our lives. So what happens? There's a change. There's an evidence that has taken place because of not just the knowledge of God and believing in God, but the action of choosing and making the decision for God to be first and to follow his righteousness. It's going to be evident in our life. If your life is not being changed, then you haven't been changed by the power of God. You haven't truly been saved. And I know that may be tough to say, but I'm telling you right now, once you've had a salvation experience, you will never be the same again. Never be the same again. Never be the same again. And your life needs to be constantly changing. As we live a Spirit-empowered life, as we allow His Holy Spirit to bring us literally to life, And as we surrender more and more to that new life, more and more we will discard the old self-destructive behaviors we once lived by. We went to the zoo on Monday and we went in the reptile area. And you know, we saw something in one of the cages and it was a skin with a snake had come out of. And that's what I want us to see through this fast. I want us to leave a skin as we become a new person, as we come out of the old and we say, come on, I'm moving forward. And there's something about that skin. A snake couldn't even get back into that even if he wanted to. Come on, I don't want to go back to my old way. I want to put those things because I want the old to be passed away in my life. I want it to die so the new can come. So the more we surrender, the more we say, God, I want to live for your life, the more we turn away from that self-destructive behaviors that we used to tell ourselves, I can never be free from. I'll never change. That's just who I am. And then what happens The process begins. How many knows that salvation is a process? Come on, it's a process, isn't it? We're saved, yeah, we're saved right there. But our sanctification with God cleaning us up is a process. But it's a process that he will remain faithful to if we remain faithful to. If we stay on the table, he's going to continue to do the surgery. The only time he stops operating is when we get off the table and we say, God, no more. Can't take it no more. Because it's not just a one-time experience. It's a constant process within us that we must have through us. We've got, and in order to see ourselves come out on the other side, we've got to stay connected to the source. And that source is God first. God first in everything. You know this, I'm, I'm going to say something. This always excites me when I think about this. Our lives were created for overflow. Your life was created for overflow. Everything you read of about God is a God of overflow. He has more than enough. And guess why? Here's why I believe that we are called for overflow. Are you ready? Because whatever you are full up on, that's what's going to flow out from you. So God has made us for overflow that he wants to fill us with such a newness of life, his righteousness, his way of doing things, that guess what? That is what's going to flow out of our life. Because we are created. Whatever we put in is what's going to come out of our lives. 
Come on, if you put in negativity in your life, guess what's going to be coming out? Depression. Come on, if, you, if you're watching things and you're just feeding yourself with all these things, come on, you, you're not going to get any good out of negativity. You're going to get depression. You're going to be depressed. You're going to be miserable. You're going to be sad. You know, if you're going to put pornography into your body, you know it's going to come out lust. Because what you're full of, you're going to overflow out. Come on, if you put money in, if, if your life's all about the love of money and the pursuit of money, if I can get, you know it's going to come out of your life? Greed. And you're not going to have satisfaction. Come on. But if you put in the presence of God, do you see the equation here? If you put in the presence, if you long for the presence, if you long for His Spirit, if you long for His righteousness, His way of doing things, guess what will happen? You know what's going to come out of your life? You will live more holy on accident than on purpose. Isn't that cool? You're going to live more holy by accident than on purpose. Oh, there is a purpose. There is a purpose for your life. There is a purpose for you to touch other people. But what about fulfilling your purpose, the accidents that happen all around you as people hear your conversations that you don't even know of. They see things that they don't even maybe know who you are. You see, the purpose has to be, he has to be first in my life. Seeking his righteousness, his way of living. Living by his spirit. It will change my life. I'm almost done tonight. Galatians 5. Are you ready? Look at this. Galatians 5, 16 through 18 from the New Living Translation says this. So I advise you to live according to your new life in the Holy Spirit. Listen to this. Are you ready? So I advise you to live according to your new life in the Holy Spirit then you will not be doing what your sinful nature craves. Man, I wished I could change my cravings. I wished I could be free from those things. What is he saying? You've got to live the new life according to the Holy Spirit. Verse 17, the old sinful nature. Come on, say with me, the old you or the old me. Come on, the old sinful nature loves to do evil which is just the opposite from what the Holy Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite to what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other and your choices are never free from this conflict. Verse 18, But when we are directed by the Holy Spirit, We are no longer subject to the law. Come on, don't you love that? That when we allow, oh, there's a struggle inside of us. And and please understand when Paul says that there's two forces that are constantly fighting, he's not talking about two equal forces. Come on, the Holy Spirit is infinitely stronger than the things of this world. Infinite is what has no end. He is infinitely stronger. But when we rely on our own wisdom, we're going to make the wrong choices because we're going to listen to the wrong voice. We're going to follow the wrong things, the dead things that are not going to produce life. And it's only through the empowerment of His Holy Spirit that we can live the victorious life, that we can be free from those cravings, those strongholds, those addictions, those wrong desires that so easily can come and sway us. 
So I've got to close this today. Are you ready? Your biggest challenge is not working up your faith. Your biggest challenge is working out your faith. It's not working it up because it's there. It's working it out. It's allowing it to come out of your life. The truth is this. We don't have to keep begging God for more. Oh God, give me more. God, I need more strength. God, I need this and I need that. We keep praying those things, don't we? But here's what we need to do. We just need to begin to cooperate with him to release that which is already present inside of each one of us. It's already alive inside of us. It's doing some homework with Luke yesterday. It's the difference between potential. There's the difference between kinetic. There's a difference between all these different types of energy because some of them can lay dormant. But I want you to know something. Instead of praying, God, I need more of you. I need more of you. You have Christ already alive inside of you. It's time that you just start tapping into that. It's time that you start feeding that. It's time that you start living that. Because you ain't no worthless nickel. Come on. You are a priceless thing. You have a treasure inside of your life. And why can we say that? Because it's His Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. It's His Holy Spirit that wants to strengthen us, to help us, to empower us, to live a victorious life. So understand this tonight. If you are a Christian, guess what? God lives inside of you. God, the whole God, the hope of glory, He lives inside of you. Everywhere you go and to every person you meet, you are a potential encounter with the life and power of God. Let me say that one more time. Everywhere you go, And to every person that you may meet, you are a potential encounter with the life and the power of God for their lives. For their lives. Why? Because the Bible says, know you not. You are the what? You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. That God's Spirit longs to dwell inside of you. And where God's spirit dwells is where the miraculous supernatural can happen. The supernatural is inside of you and miracles can take place because it's Christ in you. The treasure, we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence may be of what? Him, God, it's him. He's the treasure in our vessels. And not of us. We may be hard pressed. We may be knocked down. We may be crushed. But guess what? Not destroyed. Not knocked out. Not forsaken. He's there. Why? Because greater is he that is within you than he that is in this world. God's not given me fear, but he's given me power. What power? His Holy Spirit. The ability to see my life become new. A new you. Come on, allow God to transform you. Oh, God could never do that. My God can do anything if you will make the decision to allow him and then back that decision up daily by choosing his way, his righteousness, as we put him first. Seek God, his way of living. 
And as you do that, I trust you in this. You will never be disappointed. Would you stand to your feet with us today? I pray that was an encouragement for you tonight. Come on, a new life. Come on, a new you. Why? Because it's Christ in you. It's not anything that we do except put in Him first and seek in His way, His righteousness. And then God says, that's why I can begin to do the rest. Because I'll change your words, I'll change your thoughts, I'll change your life, that people around you would see the inward change, that it would be evident on the outward actions. God, I want my life to be so evident to those around. Come on, is that your prayer tonight? God, I want my life to be so evident. Come on, just pray that in your own words. Come on, God, I want my life to be so evident to those around. Come on, I want your Holy Spirit just to rule and reign inside of me. I want to live each and every day like Christ, you're in me, because you are. It's not a question. You're in me. If I'm a child of God, you're in me and your spirit wants to be there. You're going to give me a new heart. You're going to give me a new walk. You're going to give me a new talk. You're going to give me a new attitude. Come on, you're going to give me a new physical body. You're going to give me a new marriage. You're going to give me a new relationship. Come on, you're going to give me those things. Why? Because Christ, you're alive inside of me. Your Holy Spirit is real. Come on, just begin to exercise that right now. Come on, just begin to claim that right now in your life, that God, your Holy Spirit would rule and reign in us, that God, you would live in us, that each and every day, God, you would change us, that God, we would be a work in progress, yes, but every day progressing, every day changing, every day being transformed, because faith isn't just a knowledge, faith is an action, it's a life of doing, it's a life of being, it's a life of surrendering, and God, we put you first, come on, say that again, God, I put you first, and I seek your way, and through you being first, and through your way, that opens the door, the right door, for those things that my life needs to come into my life. Thank you, God, for that. In Jesus' name, amen. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard. But we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heartsea's Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.